Bollywood is for Lovers. I'm Erin Fraser. And I'm Matt Bose. This week we welcome Devin Bruce of Scotch and Comics, the List Makers podcast, and Variant Editions blog to discuss adaptations of two of Shakespeare's tragedies by Vishal Bardwaj. First up, Ajay Devgan as the Moor of Venice in 2006 Omkara, and then Shahid Kapoor as the Melancholy Dane in Hater. Yeah. Welcome back, lovers. It was uh, very literary. We, uh, we mentioned the, the names of the characters, but in a subtle way. Well, you have an English degree. Uh, I do. Yeah, and you work at a publisher. You publish books for a living. I, You're very literary. I've been told that I'm literary. Yeah, hopefully soon we can I do get a piece to... of paper that says, this man reads books good. Yeah, yeah, well, and I have one that says that this woman watches movies well. Yeah. Um, and hopefully... No, good, that's what you... Good? Watch a move good, movie good. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, and hopefully, in a future episode, we can get to one of your favorite authors from university, Jane Austen. Yeah. Yeah, there's a Jane Austen Bollywood adaptation, so look out for that eventually. Yeah, I heard about that on the last uh, Split Screen podcast. Oh, yeah. Shah Every episode, we need to give a shout-out to Shah Shahid. He's a good so. guy. He said we should hang out in Toronto, and I missed him. So. Yeah, we're yeah. a little bit late because Matt was in Toronto, mm-hmm. um, and also because we are coordinate with our good friend Devin Bruce's schedule. So welcome, Devin, to Bollywood is for Lovers, Thank as you, you take a drink of water. Thank you for having me. <laughs> oh, you're welcome. And you specifically chose to talk about Shakespeare adaptations mm. without even knowing if there were any. No, I assumed <laughs> that there probably would have been. Mm-hmm. Um, I know when you guys originally uh, asked or approached me for being on the podcast, you were like, maybe... Maybe you could do like a superhero movie, and I'm like, well, that would be absolutely on brand for me. I feel like that makes me feel a little one dimensional, and mm-hmm. uh, and I wanted to try something else. And I, I'm a really big fan of seeing how stories get adapted. Yeah, um, that's always really interesting to me. And I assumed that there, I mean, there's Shakespeare, there's Shakespeare uh, adaptations in practically every cinema yeah. that I've ever seen. Yeah. Um, so, and Including, I've seen. like, I mean, some of my favorites are Kurosawa's, right? Yeah, yeah. So, well, Throne of Blood is unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah, so all over the world, yeah. people are making Shakespeare, uh, new adaptations of Shakespeare, whether on stage, in print, or in film. Speaking about being on And brand. we always talk about how Bollywood is so Shakespearean. Yeah, we so find, it seems we find pretty logical. But, but speaking about being on brand, um, uh, Devin has also brought us some scotch. No, some single malt whiskey. Some single malt whiskey. We learned the very important distinction Indeed, just I, a minute ago. Yes. Uh, being absolutely on brand, I thought, well, you were like, bring some scotch. And I'm like, I do have a bottle of Indian single malt whiskey, and yeah. I feel like that's more appropriate. So, Can you talk us through this one? Yeah. It's called Amrut Single Malt. Uh, it's, uh, I think it started in 2004. I think that was when it was launched. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Uh, I know a little bit about, like, just the history of, like, Indian whiskey. Mm-hmm. Basically, you know, like, there's whiskey snobs everywhere, right? Like, yeah. well, if it's not from, you know, if it's not from Scotland, it's not whiskey. If it's not from Ireland, it's not whiskey, wherever you and are. And there's a spelling difference between whiskey with an E and whiskey without an E. Yeah. Uh, Canada has Canada no has e. no E. The States have an E. Ireland has an E. And Scotland doesn't have an E. I may have those last two. Okay. Yeah, Scotch whiskey, I believe, is just mm-hmm. W-I-S. W H I S K Y. Yeah. I um, always have to look it up every time I like write it out just to make sure. Yeah. Um, so, and that's just a spelling thing. Uh, but with the, with this, um, I know there were a lot of like, well, Indian whiskey is just like, you know, who knows what they're doing with it down there. Kind of ridiculous way yeah. imperialist BS. Um, but then uh, it got really well reviewed by a very uh, well-renowned whiskey specialist and then people kind of started Jim whiskey, whiskey, Jim whiskey. Um, 
And uh, and I, I try to... Apologies like, to the actual whiskey specialist and his name. Uh, I can find that out, actually. I was looking it up. Oh, it's cool. Jim Whiskey. I looked it up. No, it, it's not. It's Jim Murray. Oh, wow, that's pretty close. Very close. Jim Whiskey Murray. <laughs> there you go. You're using his nickname. Yeah. Um, We're pretty tight, Jim Whiskey. And I, I bet. Uh, so it's... Uh, it, it's kind of gotten popular-ish. I think. I think part of the reason it got popular was because it was just oh, novel. You know? Yeah. Well, right. like like uh, Suntory or something, right? Mm-hmm. Which kind of has a little bit of a cachet because it's different. Yeah. And they only they only had like one or two, and now they have a bunch of different varieties. So I just brought the first variety. Um, but it's uh, it's nice. Yeah, I like I it. I like it. It's, I overwatered mine, but I, I'm still quite liking it. Actually, I'll take a sip of mine so I can see what it's like not overwatered. It reminds me of uh, a little bit of. Maybe Glen Warren. Oh, that's really nice. Yeah, it's it's brewed or brewed. It's distilled in Kambipura, uh, okay. Which, I, uh, looking at a map, is uh, by Bangalore. Okay. Um, and one of the interesting things that I I learned about it when I was doing some research on it earlier is that because it's so hot in India, it actually takes less time to barrel age it. Yeah. Than it would in Scotland. I think they said they estimate for every one year that they're aging it in India, it's the, the equivalent of three years in Scotland. So this is only really aged for like four and a half years, and mm. it gets a lot of the. So you the can yield efficient. a higher quality scotch with less time. Yeah, the whiskey, yeah. or at least at least an equivalent. Yeah. yeah. Um, Snobs will disagree. Yeah. All of the barley that it's made from is from India, except they do a peated, they do one peated variety, and they import peated barley from Scotland. Yeah. And then, I'm just like... I don't think there's a lot of peat in India. You don't? No. Not a lot of (laughs) heavy-duty plant material. Yeah. No. No. So how do we get uh, sponsored by Amrut? Listen, (laughs) I don't know. I've been trying to get sponsored by Ballantine's Finest on Scotch and Comics. I think think you're already there in the sense that you're more regular than I am. You're pretty fond of Teacher's Cream, if I remember, too. Yes, Teacher's Highland Cream. That is is a... It's kind of a tribute to uh, my grandmother, who uh, apparently that was the scotch that she would always have in the house. Nice. I'd started drinking it because that's what the character from the Sweeney drinks all the time. <laughs> of course. And I was just like, sweet. And then my dad said, oh, yeah, that's terrible. You're, you're, my mother had that all the huh. time. And I'm like, no, it's delicious. You're like, shut up, Gus. <laughs> shut up. But, I mean, that's the story of everyone as they start to drink alcohol. You know, you, you start with stuff that's cheap I drink, and, you, and like, you think it's well, good and then you build up. I drank like exclusively white Russians for a long yeah, time. Yeah, I know. Just because of the big Lebowski. You like, still love we, we, we learn about drinking through media. Yeah. Or yeah. through our family. Yeah. Which yeah. is what you did both. Well, you, you did two at once. Absolutely. And I mean, the, in, in my in my version of, of, you know, my family culture or, or the culture that I come from, again, Bruce is a fairly Scottish last name. So thinking yeah. of Scotch is very manly. And I remember the first time I tried it, I was like, this is terrible and I'm never doing it again. Oh, no, and I'm I, dying. And I forced myself. <laughs> To be like, no, this is what men do. And yeah. now, now I like it, but I think that kind of goes for a lot of alcohol. Like, the first time I had beer, I didn't like it. Yeah. I had a very similar kind of experience. I used to drink my father's scotch as a child because he would let me. And also, my last name is and Fraser. The, and then you're also like... Also very Scottish. Yeah. And then you're like, ooh, yucky. Yeah, it was terrible. Yeah. And then now, as an adult with a palate, like, I've really grown to really appreciate scotch. Although I know nowhere near as much about scotch as Devin does. I guess my first time drinking gin, I drank a whole two-sixth of gin, and then well, I never drank okay. gin again. so speaking of gin, Matt, <laughs> I, don't think it's, I don't think it's a it scotch... It was a whole bottle of Bombay Sapphire, actually. I don't think it's a scotch sponsor we need. A, and a two-sixth is a 750 milliliter bottle for people outside of Canada. 
I don't, okay, so speaking of gin, I don't think it's a Scotch sponsor that we need. I think we need to reach out to Vij Vikram, because uh, right, he has right. created, like, yeah. what is it, Volley Water? A Bali specific water. gin yeah. to serve in his restaurants so that you can now apparently yeah. get in select liquor stores in Vikram. Vancouver. But yeah. we're all the way, you know, a province over in Edmonton, but we want this Volley Water. Yeah, absolutely. This Vikram Vij, uh, Vij's restaurant, which we went to in Vancouver. Vij Vikram. Vish Vikram, which we went to his restaurant uh, probably four years ago, maybe six, five years ago, and it was excellent. Nice. Very, very long wait to get in, but uh, they treated us really nicely. Yeah. Kept bringing out Papa Doms and that kind of thing. I have so, both of his cookbooks and they intimidate me. Yeah. Quite. Like, just, it, it was a great restaurant, though. Yeah. Um, well, listen, as Matt doesn't drink gin, I still think you should try and go for the Amrit, but that's just yeah, my own. Exactly. Okay. All right. We both like scotch. If I drink gin, I barf instantaneously. So, um, so before we get into the episode proper, we have a review. Yay! <laughs> um, so thank you so much for everyone who's reviewed the show so far. This review comes from Shosh D. He says, very interesting and enjoyable. Five Perfect. stars. That's all I ever wanted to be. Recently started following you guys from Edmonton. Ah! Yes, Edmonton. He's a local boy. It's great to hear about your perspective on Bollywood movies. It's pretty awesome to see that I have very similar taste in Bollywood to you guys. Yes, Ramlila, Ranveer, SLB, Anurag Kashyap, all are amazing. Yes. Just heard your recent podcast, and I thought that if you like Anurag Kashyap's movies, you might also enjoy, enjoy Vishal Bardwaj, Makbul, and Kamini, since you are reviewing Omkarta and Hater next. As well as Tig Manusha Dulia's... Sahab Biwi, our gangster. I apologize if I butchered that pronunciation. <laughs> there goes our Doing my best. sponsorship right there. And its sequel. Looking forward to future podcasts. Thank you so much, Shashti. This one's for you, Shashti. Vishal Bardwash. Yeah, I really apologize if I butchered any pronunciations there. As we always do, we're not Indian. None of us are. We're all very white. Um, but we love Bollywood cinema, and we so try. we want to talk about it. We try. Um, yeah, thank you so much, Josh D. Nice to hear from a hometown boy, and uh, I'm glad that you know we're picking out what people who have been watching a lot of Bollywood movies also think is quality. Like mm-hmm. that's this kind of a nice reassurance that our taste is in line with other people's taste. So mm-hmm. if you want to be cool like Josh D, who is very cool, leave us a review. Super Hopefully cool. a five star one, and uh, tell us what you appreciate about the podcast. Or some constructive criticism, we will read them all on air. Give us a funny name that you want to hear us mangle. <laughs> uh, and if you're not in Canada, please let us know, because currently, um, the way iTunes is set up, we can only really see our Canadian reviews, but I do have ways of getting reviews from other countries, if you are in another country and you do leave a review. We have ways of doing so. Yes, we do. Um, so... That gets, I think, uh, all of our preamble out of the way. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Devin, we've heard a lot about your interest in scotch, but what about your interest in cinema, specifically Indian cinema? Um, I am, I'm interested in, in film in general. Mm-hmm. Uh, my uh, my non-Western uh, cinema generally tends to go towards Japanese mm-hmm. yeah. cinema for the most part. I think that I think that's generally... Uh, where a lot of Westerners kind of go because it's mm-hmm. kind of easier, like the the Kurosawa, you know, trying to make samurais like Westerns and stuff. I think that's kind yeah. of an easy, an easy thing for for a lot of people to do. Although the more I've been watching Bollywood, uh, because of the influence of Aaron and Matt, uh, oh, mostly, no uh, I've been noticing like that's actually that's in a way it's a lot easier to get into if you don't have a hang up about musical numbers, which mm-hmm. I, which is. Something that I've never really understood, like, if you don't like music, 
I don't understand that. Yeah. Um, I guess musical numbers kind of feel like it, they, they take people out of the out of the film. Sometimes. Yeah, it breaks the sense of realism that and I put realism in quotes here that a film is creating. And so when I talk to people who don't like musicals, that's the first thing that yeah. they kind of isolate. It's just you know it's not realistic enough and. I kind of don't get that because I'm someone who thinks that every time you sit down to watch a film, you surrender your sense of reality to the world that's created within the film. And mm-hmm. so, unless you know, you're like, watching a documentary, otherwise, sure, full ball. But there's music, nothing. A musical number breaking out might seem a little bit weird if you're watching, you know, Best of Enemies or something. Yeah, but. You know, there's nothing inherently realistic about no, Hitchcock's sure filmmaking. No. Like, Hitchcock's filmmaking is extremely stylized. There are, there are films with dream sequences. There are yeah. films with flashbacks. There are films with montages set to music where well, there's no dialogue going on. And even just, like, even just thinking of something like Vertigo, like this, this mm-hmm. psychosexual fascination that Jimmy Stewart has with Kim Novak. Like, nothing about that is realistic. His desire to try and recreate her into this dead yeah. woman. And yet, I find people don't have problems with those types of things in movies. But then as soon as someone starts bringing out into song, they can't handle it. And yeah. so, I, yeah, to watch Bollywood, I think you do need to let go of any prejudice you have towards musicals. Yeah. That being said, uh, not all Bollywood films are musicals. And the, the film actually, I think my current favorite Bollywood film ever, which I just finally made Matt watch. So excited. Lutera. Um, Lutera yeah. actually doesn't yeah. have any musical numbers in it. And uh, uh, I know we'll get to it in a second, but mm-hmm. Omkara doesn't have any, I don't think it actually has any, well, no, it does. There's, there's a song. There's, there's a song. There's a lot of diegetic No, there's, stuff, right? there's a song when Omkara has beaten the shit out of some guys very early on. Yeah. Let's talk about how awesome he is and how much he rules. But there are at least but that's two, about it. There yeah. are at least two numbers in which uh, it is it is literally just a music video. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, where the pop song is happening in the background and neither of the characters are singing it at all. Yeah. Uh, and then there is you know like oh the the, the dancer is singing and dancing and that makes yeah. sense. Um, but getting into like musicals, like I've been a musical fan since I was a kid, mm-hmm. so like that's not a, an issue for me. To there's there's no barrier there. I have no barriers with subtitles. Like mm-hmm. like it's film. So um, yeah, uh, most of my most of my Bollywood experience is actually probably two thousand on. Like mm-hmm. I haven't seen a lot of earlier stuff. We're um, still working our way. Back to those two. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. But you're a perfect kind of test case because the entire reason that Matt and I wanted to start doing this was to make Bollywood accessible to people who already love movies. Mm-hmm. Because this doesn't, like, these films have pleasures in them that transcend culture. Yeah. And and I, I've always been, well, not always, but when I was in university, I had. It was so weird. When I was in university, I had a lab partner in one of my chemistry labs who listened to uh, Indian pop music. Yeah. And he, you know, that's where his parents were from India. So he listened to Indian pop music and he was my lab partner. So I was like, oh, this is awesome. And then I would listen to uh, super local Edmonton reference. Uh, Baba, Baba, he's a DJ for CKUA right now. Mm -hmm. He used to have a a show on CJSR called uh, Crocodile Connection, and he would play all kinds of stuff. He'd play rock and roll music and pop music and uh, Indian music. So, Hmm. like, there's, I have no barriers. It's just literally, like, it's not something I think of to watch. Yeah. Uh, And having... Uh, having you guys as friends and as podcasts <laughs> that I listen to, it's just like, damn it, now we're going to watch 30 minutes of Bollywood videos. And yeah. I'm like, yes, I'm all down for that. Well, That's a classic Matt and Aaron attack. Just, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. You're in our house. <laughs> you're we're in our house. Do you want to watch some Bollywood music videos? It's going to happen. 
that's all we want to do, and it's our house. Um, But I also find that, like, cinema, in a way, has opened up my entire world more to be more culturally diverse, and that, yeah, I do listen to Bollywood music all the time now, and I even feel like I eat more Indian food now because of these movies, in the same way that, you know, I watch a lot of Japanese and Korean films, and so I also listen to a lot of Japanese and Korean pop music and eat a lot of Japanese and Korean food, and it just, there's a way that cinema can really be a gateway towards culture, Mm -hmm. and like, Mm -hmm. really experiencing other parts of the world other than the one that you are in every day. It's easier to get into than translations of uh, books. Yeah. Those are hard to find. They're not always the most, like, popular. Yeah. And it's, you know, a movie... Is designed to be watched in two hours, which is why... Or three. Or three. In the case of Bollywood movies. Yeah. But, like, it, it's it's designed to be a finite thing that you don't really need to have a lot going into to know. Yeah. yeah it's I telling know, you the story for you. I know it's somewhat gauche to bring up a Lennon reference because there are larger uh, political complexities around bringing up a Lennon reference. But there's a reason why Lennon thought that cinema was the most important artistic media for his new nation, the the USSR. Um, And that is because of the way that cinema can transcend so many different barriers, whether it be language, culture, etc. And I think you see that a lot in... Um, when you read about and then when you watch a lot of classic Indian films, which are mm-hmm. tend to be very Soviet-influenced, mm-hmm. um, which is another reason why Bollywood was very popular in the Soviet Union. Um, and so you see how, you know, film can be transcendent in a way. It can be mm-hmm. nation-building as yeah. well as beyond that. Especially in, in Lenin's time because it was all silent so you didn't mm-hmm. really yeah. need mm-hmm. you didn't really need uh, it, it truly was universal because you just see people uh, yeah. pantomiming yeah. And, and montage and all that kind of stuff. You lose that a little bit now in, in the era of sound but if you didn't have sound you wouldn't have musical numbers well, so I think well, but, but for Bollywood though it has to deal with like 30 different language groups. Oh absolutely. Too. So yeah. it is it is kind of trying to be generic enough so that people can enjoy it regardless mm-hmm. of their facility with Hindi or English in a lot of cases. Mm-hmm. So before we get into uh, our first film up for discussion, Omkara, Devin, I'm curious, what Bollywood films have you seen that you've really enjoyed or what ones have you seen that you haven't really enjoyed? Uh, I haven't seen a ton of Bollywood mm-hmm. films, so I can't say that I didn't like any of the ones that I've seen. Uh, my favorites, other than the two that we will talk about today, uh, I watched Doom 3 on a plane and I was mm-hmm. riveted. And that's yeah. on a tiny, teeny, tiny screen. Yeah. And I was just like, this is amazing. And yeah. I need to watch all of this all over again. I need Doom more Amir Khan. Yeah, Doom 3 was one of the first films that I took Matt to when we were getting into Bollywood. And I just, I know, I've heard a lot of people be really dismissive of the Doom series. Mm-hmm. I think it's great. I, I mean, it's, it's, you're Indian Fast and the Furious. It's Bollywood Fast and the Furious. And it's and weird. Like, I love Fast yeah. and the Furious. I love well, Doom. Well, a lot of great. critics in the Western world have become very poptimist. And, you know, we love Vin Diesel movies. We love yeah. all these things because they don't want to appear elitist. Mm-hmm. But when talking about Bollywood movies, it's like, oh, it's stupid. Look at all the cars and stuff. Like, yeah. That, like, that's that's a that's a bad criticism if you can't extend your poptimism across... Mm-hmm. Of you know filmic genres. Yeah, it just. I mean, I don't always find us ourselves in line with what Indian critics think about uh, Bollywood films. Um, I like Dilwale better than most of them. Yeah, well, you like that sort better of than me too. Yeah, sure um, do. Yeah. 
And I also don't find myself always in line with what kind of Western critics think of Bollywood films when we find them. And I think yeah, that's because... Yeah, the very few times that they're reviewed at all. Yeah, because I think from a Western perspective, we have this way of looking at, quote-unquote, world cinema through a certain lens. Mm-hmm. We're getting all the art movies that are sent in for Oscars. Exactly. And we're really interested in kind of like commercial cinema. That being said, the films we're going to talk about today, I think, are... Uh, of a different ilk. <laughs> I don't know. I think they straddle the line between. I think Kyder. Yeah. I think Kyder's pretty commercial. I think yeah. Ahara okay. is probably slightly more art yeah. house, but I think Kyder's pretty. Commercial. I mean, if you count how many people like... get shot by guns in yeah. both movies, like there's a lot to love, even if you're not a Shakespeare fan. Yeah, but I will say, like I, I like everything. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. the the film that I put at the top of my top ten, ten list this year was a guy matted film. So clearly, I like everything. But I just I think. Um, when critics approach populist cinema, commercial cinema, and put it on the try and put it on the same level as more artistic endeavors, yeah. there's a problem there. You need to look anyway. So Doom, well, I, the whole I point of this is that Doom well, yeah, is great. Western critics haven't great. really gotten to a point where they feel comfortable in comparing world cinema to its um, popular output too. Yeah, like either you're all in for oh, I love Japanese movies, I love Kurosawa. That's not all Japanese. That's movies. no, like no. there's Ozu and there's like yeah. there's like Ozu is not Kurosawa at all. It's 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 a huge learning curve to even. Well, but then there's also like Mikkei, right? Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. Because <laughs> Mikkei, yeah, or, there's, or yeah, animation, or there's a, there's a huge learning curve to even feel like you have a capability to talk about a genre of film. Yeah, well, a, a, a country's okay. output. Well, exactly, and I mean, uh, when you said something like uh, when you said earlier the. Uh, you only really get the art house films that are being uh, mm-hmm. offered for Oscars. I mean, it's it's easy to be fairly uh, well versed in in the cinema of your dominant culture because you're surrounded by it. Yeah. But like for a long time, the only Japanese films, for instance, that I'd ever seen were Kurosawa films, yeah. and the only French films that I'd seen were Truffaut. Like like because. Yeah. You know, I took two films, film studies <laughs> courses, and that's how that works. And then uh, because you're not surrounded by it and it's not brought to you, it's kind of hard. You have to seek it out. Yeah. You have to look for it. And if you don't know what you're looking for, you might, you know, just go down one or two paths and not really see the breadth of it, right? Or if you don't have access. And, I mean, that's also been another big point about this podcast is because of the internet and because of digital, digital distribution, mm-hmm. our access to these things has changed dramatically yeah and so now we do have more access to more cinema than ever before it's kind of insane yeah there is a bit of a not class issue but also kind of like a education issue with uh, world cinema where i find that if you know all of us here we do understand that there are different gradations of what different countries put out but if you were to go to someone on the street and say hey what do you think of french movies they're probably going to think oh it's you know, people sitting around smoking and being naked, maybe. Marion like, well, Cotillard is in all of them. When you say it like that, what do you think of French well, movies? But, like, that's the, the art house films yeah, that yeah. put a tinge on the entire country. Because that's all you and see we, and that's and all you yeah, know. And you don't we, know French comedy exactly. or taxi or anything. Well, right? like, yeah. we, we have, a like, a little bit better in that we have gone to university and, you know, we know... The most part of, like... And we're in Canada, arts, which the is... The art that comes out. Bilingual. But, like, think about... Um, 
Bill and Ted's uh, uh, Bogus Journey, for instance, which references the seventh seal. Right. That's probably all that most of peop- the people who see that movie will ever think about Danish movies. Or... Is, it's that weird guy on the beach playing chess with death. Like, yeah. It's all super depressing and weird. Or yeah. The Simpsons. Or The Simpsons, yeah. <laughs> the Simpsons. That's the other place where cultural references can you, are derived. Can you imagine, and I mean, it's easy to imagine, but imagine like being in Denmark or in uh, India or in Japan or in Singapore and only knowing... Uh, American film because Canadian film is not nearly as yeah. Yeah. big. But like only knowing American Canadian film. Canadian film is a niche market even in Canada. Well, exactly. But <laughs> yeah. only knowing uh, American film by its blockbusters. Like yeah. that's it. Yeah. That's all you see. Well, if exactly. you're right now, you probably think it's all superheroes. If it was the 70s, you're like, you know, Dirty Harry or yeah, It's all Clint Eastwood. Like, and, and, yeah, that's the, that, that, those are the things that, well, Star Wars didn't really do, do that well in like China, for instance. But They like, never played in China because of communism. Yeah, but like, you're going to just pick one thing, and the that's, market and that's what you think yeah. is the whole country. Yeah, like, but the Chinese we, market is a completely new development. Yeah, right, It's right, a right. random aside. But. Right, right. But we think, like, well, but how would you not know about... I, even, even like, the regular moviegoer who doesn't know a lot of, like, they wouldn't know directors' names or stuff, but they'd know about, they'd know about gangster movies, and yeah. they'd know about this, but... Romantic comedies. Romantic which, comedies, and you know about all that yeah. kind of stuff, and you wouldn't really get that. Outside of there, so it does yeah. make sense, and I, I think that's one of the interesting things about this podcast and Bollywood mm. in general is that it's like you've said it before; it's literally the most accessible mm-hmm. genre of film in the world. It is yeah. designed for mass uh, yeah. consumption by a huge population. This should be a no-brainer. It should be yeah. very easy to get into because yeah. it's designed that way. Well, and right now in Edmonton, there are four Bollywood movies playing in theaters mm-hmm. every day. Several times a day. For comparison, Animal Lisa is playing, which is a new Charlie Kaufman film. Up for an uh, animation Oscar. Yeah, Up for an Oscar is playing in one theater after 10 o'clock. Once nightly after 10 o'clock at about 10.40. And there are four Bollywood movies yeah. playing across the city several times a day. Yeah, I kickstarted Animal Lisa and I'm not going to be able to see it. I have to go and pay to see it before I get my copy of it. That's uh-huh. just Devin going, why can't I see this movie? But I yeah. get it. I understand. Yeah. Um, but what's really interesting is uh, when we went to go see um, Bajar Al-Mastani and uh, Delale, yeah. when people asked me, so what did you do over Christmas? And I said, well, I went to see two really great Bollywood films. Th- they were just like, uh, what? Like, no one, no one was surprised that at work yeah. that I would go and do something like that. But they were like, where did you even go to do that? And I said, like... Literally, if that's something that you're interested in, you can go to the, the mm-hmm. you know the second run theater. They play first run non North American films. It's not just Bollywood films. Yeah, right? they have Korean films and Filipino films and, and Chinese yeah. films as well. And, I think and that's, that's very like popular cinema. Those are not the Korean and Chinese films like The Assassin yeah, or yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Park Chan Wook's films mm-hmm. that end up playing at the art houses. Those are very like they're rom coms and like, it's for immigrants. They yeah, just see exactly. Something fun yeah. that they, from their home from their home country. And, and why would you? And I think that's such a great like. First of all, it's a great business decision by the people who run the the, the second run. Yeah. But what what I was meaning to get to when I got to you know to get to this point was it's so interesting to see. Um, or it's, it's not interesting. It's nice to see that there's that option for people yeah. mm-hmm. who want to see their film. Cause if I was living in Guam, I would like to maybe see a Scorsese film or I'd like to see maybe, yeah. um, you know, Deadpool or something like that. And if that, if that wasn't available to me, I'd feel kind of taken out. So, yeah. um, I, and, and, and it was packed both of the times we went to go see those films, they were packed and I'm like, that's fantastic. Yeah. 
Well, when and the first time we tried to go see Gun Day, I'd actually sold out before we got there. Mm, <laughs> and yeah. like, Gun Day is not a popular Bollywood film. A lot of uh, well, it, it it's the sort of like dumb action movie that Transformers is for Hollywood. Yeah, like, people like we, to kind of shit on it, but we, we, loved, we it. loved it. But when we talk to Bollywood fans, they're just like, "Oh, we can't believe you loved that movie," and just like, "No, we loved it." And the first time we went to go see it, it was actually sold out, mm-hmm. yeah. um, which shocked some of the friends that were going with us. And then when we were at the theater for Bajra Mastani, I before the film started, went to the washroom, and someone actually came up to me and said, "Like, oh." You're coming to see a Bollywood film, and I was like, "Yes!" Like they're my some of my favorite movies, um, and I'm. It was interesting because I totally understand when we walk into those theaters, we are some of the only white people, mm-hmm. um, and that's not surprising. Mm-hmm. But you know, they play with subtitles. So that, di- that distribution network is really interesting. Um, yeah, looking at Anomalisa, which has much more coverage in the. You know, Western media. Mm-hmm. Like, here's a movie that's up for awards. Yeah, Lisa is getting reviewed everywhere. everywhere. But it's and I, I've seen Animalisa. I do quite like it. I think it's quite exceptional. So none of our discussion about um, kind of a lack of coverage about Animalisa is in any or a lack of coverage of Bollywood film compared to Animalisa is in any way trying to put Animalisa down. Animalisa is a great movie, but it is interesting how this is a movie that has become really hard to access in a city. And movies that are really easy to access in a city don't mm-hmm. get any coverage. Yeah. But the film that's hard to see gets a lot of coverage. And I think when you're saying that it gets coverage in, in, in the media, it uh, I was I, I was thinking, you know, wouldn't it be nice if something like uh, when Bajero Mastani and, and Diwali came out, wouldn't yeah. it be nice if they got reviewed in the journal or something like that? You think so. But they aren't. But that doesn't mean they're not being reviewed. The journal's not made for... It's not designed for and marketed to... Yeah. Indian immigrants. It's no, designed it's not. for and marketed to Edmontonians, English it speaking should, Edmontonians. Yeah, it should be for Edmontonians. It should general. be for Edmontonians in general, but it's specifically because it's yeah. an English print. And also, they're getting so many of their staff cut. Like it's oh, basically God. just it's basically just articles off the AP and uh, you know phoned from Toronto by now. Yeah, there's a couple there's a couple editorials, but like for the most part, newspapers are getting their ass kicked in different ways. Yeah, yeah but there's but there's still print media. There's still print media that that aren't English that are still being published and distributed in yeah. the city and, yeah. just, and that would be where they would have those reviews yeah and I just think it would be like having it in that second run theater is a nice step but it would be it would be nice to be able to just have have the one of the biggest blockbusters of the year being reviewed in an English language paper and have someone go oh that sounds cool I might yeah. like to go see that and just having that breakthrough oh, yeah Badger Amistani is going to make way more money than Anomalisa oh well, absolutely yeah and Badger Amistani and Diwali came out the same week the same day as Star Wars, and they made the box office top ten mm-hmm. in North America. Well, Star Wars was number one, yes. Bajra Mastani and Diwali came in at number nine and ten, so Diwali was at number nine, and Bajra Mastani was at number ten. And I think that says something. That says something about the popularity and playing in far less theaters. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. you know, Star, Star Wars, Wars is playing in thousands of cinemas, and Bajra Mastani and Diwali. Theater, yeah. Are playing in hundreds, mm-hmm. and the fact that but they're they, selling out every single time. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. the fact that they are making enough money to break that top ten, and to to see two Bollywood films break the top ten, I think it is saying something about audiences and interest in them. And I, mm-hmm. there are a lot of NRIs in Canada, and non-resident the US. Indians, for people who don't know the terminology. 
And I think we should eventually get to a place where this stuff should be reviewed by most of our popular film sites. That's why we started. That's why we started the podcast. podcast. We want to. We want to help that process along. Agreed. And I and I just want to. This is one of the things that I do. I play devil's advocate. I'm going to flip the script for a second. The fact that those two movies were number nine and ten at the North American box office pretty much says they don't need to do that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, they don't need to. The people who are going to go see those movies and support them know about those movies. Exactly. It would be nice from my perspective to have people who don't know about them know about them. Yeah. But they don't need it. Yeah. Necessarily. Exactly. That's that's why we're focusing on Western film fans who are (laughs) interested in a... To them, new genre of film. Yeah. New film paradigm. So, Devin, you've also seen Badger Mastani and Dilwale, mm-hmm. and we had you over for Ek the Tiger. Yeah. Is there anything else you've seen, or any comments you want to make about any of those three films? Uh, I, after seeing Bajaram Mastani, I showed, oh, I don't remember the name of the song. Malhari. The, Malhari. Malhari. Yeah. I showed, I, every, like, for three weeks after, anyone who was at my house, I'm like, you have to watch this. This is amazing. Yeah. Yeah, one of the... Mine and Devin's mutual friends, Leah, uh, saw it and then also went out to see Bradshaw Mastani and her and I are now in a Bollywood dance class, which I will talk about next week (laughs) to not take up time talking about my Bollywood dance class this week. Um, But like she said, like as soon as you walk in the door, it's just like, you have to see this. It's a a good celebratory song. Like it's super, it's, it's, it's perfect. It's a perfect uh, musical number to me um, because it's fun. It's exciting. It's creative. It's a little silly. Uh, it's silly because of how masculine it is, and it's also a dance number. Well, yeah. it's interesting because before I'd seen the movie, I watched the video. I, I watched them. Aaron doesn't watch them. Yeah, I But I was I, interested to see I don't that, understand. You're like, I'm going to watch the songs beforehand. Isn't I was, it exciting to see the songs come up in the movie? Well, I was interested to see, like... Why is he celebrating so much? And I thought it was going to be after a big battle. Right. Really awesome. But it's actually after a like tense di- diplomatic negotiation. Like I feel good because I'm smart. I don't feel good because I killed a bunch of people. Yeah, that's yeah. What, that's why he's celebrating. That's so good. A that, friend of that's mine, one of the reasons I love the song so much. A friend of mine who also watches Bollywood is always so thankful for. Bollywood and um, mostly for Bangara because it's like we get men dancing. Well, like yeah. if it wasn't for India, we would never see men dancing in Apart movies. Apart from Magic Mike, but yeah. Magic Mike is very. He's different. got a different style, and it's it's so strange because like the the in North America, North America in America in the United States, uh, <laughs> the movie musical has really fallen off, and, yeah. and there are there are. So many super manly men in 1940s, 1950s, and 1960s musicals. Cagney. Cagney always Cagney's wanted to be a song and dance man. Uh, and he's great. And, like, I thought... I'm just going so off topic. Uh, I thought Yankee Doodle Dandy. Yeah, would be I knew a you joke. were going to go to Yankee Doodle. Dandy. I thought it would be a joke, and it's really good, and yeah. he's really good in it. Yeah. Um, Gene Kelly's one of the most masculine men I've ever seen. I know. And he's he's super ripped. Like he's not even like 40s ripped. Like he's just. He's in amazing shape because he's a uh, dancer. Yeah, and and uh, even even someone like um, oh shoot, now I can't remember his name. He's not a dancer. Uh, uh, what was he in? Uh, Seven Brides for Seven Brothers. Keep going. Uh, Howard Keel. Ah. Howard Keel is very manly. Like he's a cowboy actor who yeah. became a, a yeah. musical actor, uh, and it's just like. There's no, there's nothing that says that musical uh, singers and dancers can't be masculine. It's just that is the weird repressive nature of that yeah. culture that kind of just. Well, shut you, it off. you read about Bob Fosse and like banging chicks all the time, drinking all the time, like, like just being a general yeah. badass and you know, and also being a musical director. The only guy we have right now in American cinema is Channing Tatum. Yeah. 
um, and I love Channing Tatum, but every actor in well, India and Hugh, and Hugh has Jack- to do that. What about Hugh Jackman? But oh, yeah, not, Hugh Jackman. He's not singing and dancing in yeah, his movie. Yeah, yeah, that's true. It's been a while, but he is that kind of guy. And if someone wanted to use him, possibly in a Wolverine-themed musical, well, yeah, that would be amazing. <laughs> there's just there's very few examples, but in India, it's kind of everyone. It, everyone has to be a triple threat. You yeah. really do, and it, it's it's really amazing to see that kind of thing. Um, and, and sorry, I will get back to, and then we'll eventually get to you know the movies <laughs> that we're actually talking about. Oh yeah. Um, but uh, when I showed, that's why we're only talking about two movies this week, Devin. Because I can't shut up. Is that that's why? <laughs> no, because I think yes. uh, I think <laughs> these conversations are just as engaging and important to the podcast as the actual film reviews. Why don't you tell us, podcast? Let's hope. <laughs> yeah, let's hope the listeners also agree. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but when I showed my brother and his. Now fiance. Oh, congratulations. Oh, nice. So excited. It literally happened today. Oh nice. wow, congratulations. Um, Devin's brother, who I don't know, but I know likes to ride bikes. Yes indeed. <laughs> uh when I showed them uh that song from Bashar Amistani, they were like, What? Oh, we should totally go. And I and I know they're that kind of people who would be interested but wouldn't go without the external yeah. um uh, impetus and the external prodding, and I maybe I can be that prodding, like I will find out from you guys what's opening, and then I'll be like, dude, we, yeah. let's go and see that thing, right? Yeah. And that's why I think, uh, again, I'm going to compliment you on your own podcast. Oh, <laughs> thank you. That's why I think uh, Bollywood for Lovers is so, is so, mm, I don't, I, I hesitate to use the word important, but uh, I will, because that's the only word in Why not this, opportunistic? This no, not even opportunistic. I think it's important because... You guys can spread the word about something that most people don't know. And yeah, it's yeah. still in the niche, but like like widening the niche by a quarter of an inch when it's almost nothing is still is yeah. still something, right? I mean Badger Amastani, if you enjoyed the movie Braveheart or yeah. like um I don't know. Casablanca. Well yeah Gone with the Wind. Like any sort of grand historical romance, you would probably like this movie too. Do, also, do you like super attractive people being super attractive yeah. all of the time? Well that's what like- I say about Bollywood in general. It's like, do you want to look at beautiful people? And I am someone who believes mm-hmm. that part of the um aesthetics of cinema and the excitement about cinema is seeing people on screen mm-hmm. and that everyone can also be attractive and if you want to see attractive people on screen bollywood is a great place to go to and and in it from a and there's an equal justification um i think partly because of figures like shah khan and salman khan that we have come to in bollywood where men are now objectified just oh. as much as women it wasn't always that way no. but we've gotten there yeah and i think Listen, I understand that in the culture that we currently have, there's a weird uh, obsession about uh, body image and attractiveness, but let's be fair, one of the things that I really like about what little Bollywood I've actually seen is that it's not as cut and dry about what is attractive. Clearly, Ranveer in uh, Bajra Mastani is attractive (laughs) because A, all of the muscles, and B, amazing mustache. But in a weird way, he uh, bathes. Oh, by just he does everything so intense. Beating water into himself, like, ah, oh, I'll fight these stains. Well, Ranveer Singh, who I first saw in Lutera, so you say, everyone watch Lutera, uh, is, I mean, he is a very special man. Oh, yeah. I, I am. Did I you am... know he's one of the first celebrities in India to be in a commercial for condoms? Really? Which he initiated himself. That's not a, that's not a thing that a lot of Hollywood <laughs> actors do. Well, no. no, but I think. And that's a much more, like, conservative culture. And I think yeah. that, that's really that's really interesting and really important because like 
to have someone who's that well regarded just be like, hey guys, maybe you should have safe sex. Yeah. It's a huge deal. I'm I think sure he also got too. paid a lot of money for it, but if Probably. he initiated it, he also changed be- his last name to sell noodles for a while. So. Yeah, well, <laughs> um, he also does a lot um, humanitarian work in India. But he, he was Ranveer Ching for a while for <laughs> Ching's noodles. Wow. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think I everything think it, is a lot more uh, commercial with their kind of celebrity culture in India. Than we really see in North America. I like that. It's honest. Yeah, I do too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, basically, yeah. If you if you like if you like high production values and attractive people being attractive <laughs> at each other, then yeah. why wouldn't you go see a Bollywood movie? Yeah. Exactly. All right. Um, I think we're gonna go to an interval there, and after the break, talk about our two films this episode. Uh, so, Devin, you've uh, picked our song for interval. I will let you know. That it is titled um, Bismil. Mm. Um, and do you want to set up the song for us? Uh, it's from Hyder, which is the uh, the Hamlet adaptation, and it is it is the song that takes the place of, or that is that is the Bollywood version of the play within a play that that happens in Hamlet, where uh, Hamlet accuses basically accuses uh, his his now stepfather slash uncle uh, of murdering. His mm-hmm. father, in a in a jaunty play yeah. kind of way, and the plays the thing, that yeah, 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 yeah. something um, the conscience of the king that will, in which will trap trap the, the conscience of the king, king. yeah. Uh, and I think, of course, if you're going to do that in a Bollywood music uh, Bollywood film, why not make it a musical number? Yeah, and it's a amazing musical number. It's a really amazing musical number. I liked a lot of the music from uh, Omkara, but I think this is the most. Catchy and eye-catching as well. So and, yeah. like, important to the story. As yeah, well. absolutely. You could have had any song in Omkara, honestly. Like, mm-hmm. there isn't really a scene in the play, Omkara mm. being Othello. Yeah. There isn't really a scene in the play where you need to have, like, a big showstopper. No. But in, in but Hamlet, in you kind of do. Yeah. yeah. It's the crux, right? Yeah. Uh, so, we'll uh, see you on the other side. <laughs> Welcome back, lovers. That was the song Bismil from Hater. We're here with Devin Bruce, who is uh, making his first friendly on Bollywood for Lovers, and we hope that you enjoyed uh, our very meandering, but I think very engaging and interesting um, conversation before getting to our topic of the week, which is these two Vishal Bhardwa adaptations of two of Shakespeare's classic tragedies. Now, this is where we have to say we are aware that Vishal Bhardwa made... A third tragedy, Macbool. That was his first one, actually. It was his first yeah. one, yes. And it was also his uh, his second film. So, Bajra made his debut as a music composer and has um, been the composer for the music for most of his feature films, if not all of them. And he made his directorial debut in 2002 with the horror film Macadie. He then went on to make Macbool, which was his first Shakespeare adaptation, and is a modern-day gangster version of Macbeth with Irfan Khan and Tabu. It played at TIFF. Everything I've read about it tells me that this film is amazing. Uh, I've read a lot of reviews. 
and I really love to see it. But, but why here's can't, the thing. Why, why can't we see it? Well, I went through every possible resource I have for watching Bollywood films, and it wasn't available anywhere. So we went to iTunes, the public library, Netflix, Eros Now, and then I researched other streaming services that are also legal, and like Butterflix, Butterflix, yeah. etc. Yeah. And I couldn't find it anywhere. And so I just I got to a point where I had to say, this film isn't accessible legally. And it is really important for us to not be promoting piracy. So while we know it is available through other means, we didn't seek out those means because we're only going to discuss films on this podcast that you can watch legally. Because if we discuss something and then you want to watch it, we don't want to be promoting piracy. We, we don't believe in that. So hopefully MacBook will be available in the future, but currently it's not available. It sounds awesome. I like everything about it based on what I've seen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I... I was a little disappointed that we couldn't uh, talk about it, but yeah, these other two were more than enough. Yeah, so, Bard- so we filled yeah. up our time with uh, meandering conversations. So Bard Wodge is also known for other literary adaptations, mm-hmm. his Shakespeare trilogy, which we're going to talk of two about mm-hmm. right now. But uh, there's also The Blue Umbrella and Seven Kun Moff. I think it's called Set Kun Moff. Set Kun Moff? Yeah, which is a movie... Um, oh, Fuck, we gotta watch this movie. Um, where Priyanka Chopra, it means seven deadly husbands, seven dead husbands. And uh, Priyanka Chopra is the woman with the seven dead husbands. <sighs> and she's killing these husbands, one assumes. Yeah, it used to be on Netflix and it's since been taken off. It's nice. still available uh, through other legal means. Uh, and yeah, we gotta watch this movie. Bard Lodge has a movie coming out this year that sounds really good. I'm so excited about this movie. So his next film was called Rangoon, and it's a romantic drama set during World War II. Featuring Saif Ali Khan, who we're going to talk about when we get to uh, Omkara. Mm-hmm. Shahid Kapoor, who is an actor. I, I, I like him. He's in Hater. He's in Hater. He played Hater. Yeah. And Kangana Renault. Whoa. From Queen and Krish 3 and Tanu Wetsman Returns. Yeah, I'm so excited yeah. about this. World War II romantic drama yeah. from Vishal Bhardra. I think this is going to be one of the best movies of the India, year. India during World War II seems really interesting. And we yeah. watched uh, Detective Bion Bakshi which was taking place mm-hmm. during the... Uh, it's uh, kind of like pre-World War II. Yeah. But like J- Japan was, uh, you know, uh, holding Calcutta at the time. It's a really fertile ground for interesting war stories that we haven't seen a lot. Yeah, yeah. available now on Netflix, at least in Canada. Yeah. Uh, when we watched it, it was on iTunes. I will say this now to it's Devin in particular. You should watch Detective Byamkesh Bakshi because I think you'd like it. It's very much like um, the Indian version of Sherlock Holmes mixed with the Indian version of Sam Spade. It's like yeah. <laughs> That sounds yeah. super awesome. It's like, a, it's, like it's, it's, it's a noir, but also kind of like eccentric detective who like, yeah. can't stand the sight of blood. The, literally, the only thing I don't love about that movie is the music. Yeah, the mu- music is oddly incongruous, um, but it's, and it's based on the, these popular Bengali novels that were also very much intended to be a mix of... Sherlock Holmes and hard-boiled detective fiction. It's very good. It's very The setting is amazing. Yeah. Uh, interesting period in history. All the details are well done. It's just they drop new metal in all the time. But we're so used to World War II adaptations um, in European and North American cinema. I'm really excited to see Rangoon and see an adaptation of World War mm-hmm. II. That's the one. In India. I'm, yeah. I think... And also... Based on what I've seen from Onkara and Hater, and also what I've seen from other Kangana Renault films, uh, I think this might be you know, like some incredible performances from these two actors who um, can be can vary for me 
Mm-hmm. Um, but in Omkara and Hader, Shahid Kapoor and Saif Ali, Ali Khan give some of the best performances I've ever seen in their careers. Yeah. And Kangano Renault, I think, when with a good director, gives a really good performance. Mm-hmm. So we've moved on to our second scotch of the uh, podcast. Oh, yes. What, Devin, can what you tell us about this, this one? This uh, is this, not from India. No, this is this is legitimate scotch. This is a single malt uh, Dalwini 18-year-old. Mm. Uh, it is the mo- It's uh, old enough to drink itself. It is, it is indeed. In Alberta. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, not in stupid Ontario. Where, oh, yeah. Uh, it is, uh, listen, when they, when Matt and Aaron put out the call on the last podcast that I had to bring scotch, I was like, oh, okay. You came I will, in guns blazing. I will, I will raise, because mm-hmm. this is, uh, this is the most expensive scotch that I own. Oh, it's delicious. FYI, he also bought scotch for the watching of the movies. I did. Different yeah. scotches. That's why we have Devin on. Also, he's smart. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Amkara. So, Amkara. Came out um- in 2006. Oh. Features Ajay Devgan from the... Not amazing movie boot. <laughs> In a much better film, he plays Ankara, who is the Othello of the piece. He is a political enforcer and the illegitimate child of a higher caste caste Brahmin and a lower caste woman. Yeah. So this is the way that his ethnicity is used against him throughout the film. He's lower caste. I think we're going to make the assumption that most people listening to this episode know the stories of Othello and Hamlet. Mm. I know that personally I was taught both of these plays in high school, so I kind of remember all the beats and rhythms of them. Um, if you haven't, maybe like read quickly a description of Othello, because I don't think we're going to really explain what Othello's about. Yeah, I mean, it's a pretty well-known story. Safal Ali Khan is the villain. His name is Ishwar, and he plays basically the Iago of this version. He was and originally supposed to be played by Amir Khan, and I'm yeah. curious about what you two think of that. Seeing Amir Khan as this would be awesome as well, but it's fun to see Saif Ali Khan, who I mostly know from kind of commercial fun movies, playing this really intricate, devious, mm-hmm. asshole character. Like, that. That's it's just showing you Saif Ali Khan's range, that he can play one of the great villains. Yeah, I think it's a lot more... Exciting to see Seth Ali Khan in this type of role, whereas Amir Khan, uh, who Devin you'll remember from Doom Three, is mm-hmm. I I would find it a lot more kind of typical. Yeah. Um. I mean, Amir Khan is a great actor. Mm-hmm. And Amir Khan and, is like the Sean Penn of India in that, like, he's yes. known for being a really good actor, super intense. Like or Daniel like, Day Lewis. Yeah, he's like mm-hmm. the this is the guy we get when we want someone who's really good at acting. Seth Ali Khan. Is able to do all kinds of things and is mo- mostly known for like race and uh, his earlier stuff in the nineties. But like some rom coms, this yeah, is really he, a he's not he's not known for being like this is the serious guy that you get for serious movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I think that's really interesting. Again, super newbie here. Literally only seen Amir Khan in one other film. Mm-hmm. Um, he's so intense and almost like bug-eyed intense in that. And I'm He's sure, always kind of bug-eyed, sh- yeah. Okay, well, I was going to yeah. say, I'm sure he could have toned it down, but like seeing that kind of performance, Onkara uh, is such a much more subtle film yeah. that I think he, again, not knowing a ton about his other performances, he might have almost stuck out as a sore thumb. I think he'd be a great Iago yeah. or Iago type uh, in maybe another film, but it's just so... Well, it's so it's I think so having, much more quiet. Yeah, yeah. I think having seen the film with Saif Ali Khan, it's hard to imagine any other actor doing this. The thing about the thing about a potential American in this movie is that Ajay Devgan, who playing Amkar, is 
kind of a subtle guy. Mm. And if you had Amir Khan there too, it might be a little bit too low key. So I mm. could see him really amping it up if he wanted to. Mm-hmm. And having Saifa Ali Khan, who's known for being an over the top kind of fun commercial guy there, him bringing himself down to the subtle Iago, I think that's a lot more interesting than Amir Khan. Yeah. And so, just um, rounding up the cast, we have Karina Kapoor, Saifali Khan's real-life wife. Another um, interesting facet to the film. Oh, too. yeah. Mm-hmm. Playing uh, Dolly, who is the Desdemona character. So, in the film, she's married to Ajay Devgan, but okay. in real... Sorry. Yeah, to Ajay yeah. Devgan. Yeah. But in real life, she's married to Saifali Khan, which just adds an interesting, like... Uh, kind of or text uh-huh. <laughs> reading of the film nowadays because in, yeah. in 2006 they weren't married. Uh, Is this where they met? I don't think so. Okay. I mean, they're both very big Bollywood stars. Um, I I don't think this is how they met, but it hmm. been. Um, Vivek Oberoi as Keshav, who plays the Casio character. The he's, Pasha, he's basically like a, uh, a lower level member of uh, Omkara's Group who Avjay Devgan picks over Saif Ali Khan, thus yeah. ensuring that Iago is matted. Yeah, yeah. The, the Iago character and he are, are basically equals. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Pasha Basu as Billo, the Bianca character. Um, I have to apologize. The last time we brought up Papasha Basu on the podcast, I butchered her name. I think I said Papashu Basa. Uh, so Just say I, apolo- I apologize. Papasha Basu is gorgeous. Kankana Sansharma as Indu Amelia, the Amelia character. Deepak Dabriel as Rajan, a.k.a. Rodrigo. And Naziruddin Shah as Baizab, the Duke of Venice. So, a lot of characters. Mm -hmm. Um, And again, this is is pretty much a a classic play. So, Devon, why don't you quickly sum up... This adaptation of Othello. This adaptation of Othello is actually really straightforward. They don't play around with it a lot. Uh, they they basically adapt it the best uh, the best they can to a, a semi modern uh, mm-hmm. uh, timeline. I think it was set in nineteen ninety five during. No, that's no, Hater. that was that's Hater. Hater. This so is that was, nowadays. That was set in well yeah. at the time that it was filmed. Yeah, two thousand six. Yeah. So ten years ago. Uh, and it's and it's. It's and really interesting that it, it does what a lot of Shakespeare adaptations do, which is like, we're going to make them all gangsters. Because that makes sense. Because it's like, well, instead of a... Like, you don't have that kind of hierarchical structure yeah. of a duke. And, a, you know, his... You have, like, the, the mob boss and his enforcers. And, and gangsters are, soldiers, are known soldiers, for right? killing people. Right? It's either gangsters or high school. Yeah. 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 Uh, because they're, because there's such a rigid structure. Yeah. That exactly. still makes sense. Yeah. Um, but This is why I think... Like, so many classic literary adaptations have to go to those places because we don't really have those structures of hierarchy. Like, well, so you need to the... have to set it among kind of like the criminal underworld or among high school. I love it when it's set among high school. Or in a fast food restaurant in the case of Ewan McGregor's Hamlet. Yeah. <laughs> right. But Not Ewan McGregor, uh, Ethan Hawke. Yeah. yeah. There was the Hamlet set in, like, the tech world too, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, it doesn't work unless there is a rigid hierarchy. Yeah. And I feel yeah. like you need that sort of threat of violence too which really comes up in hater mm-hmm. but in this one i was a little bit confused as to who these guys were and why they were going around killing people they yeah they just seemed like they seemed like a they seemed like street level gangsters like they didn't seem like like when i think gangster i think 
Um, Godfather? I think Godfather. I think uh, Goodfellas. I think right. The Departed. Yeah. I think Mafia. Right. right. And and very clearly there are very many different kinds of gangsters and, and this does seem to make sense. They're a little more street level gangster, they're a little more um urban. They're more political. Yeah. So that's that's yeah, they're absolutely yeah. political, right? Yeah. But it's but but they're they're the um they're the underground strong arm of this political guy who's like right. he's basically like um he's basically like a crook who gets into politics, right? Yeah. Um and that's how he gets into politics is by you know, by by being Politic when he can, and then by strong arming people when he can't. Yeah, uh, and, and this is this is a, a character a we've seen in a lot of movies. Like Gangs of Wasipuri shows up, and even Tevar, which I know you didn't like, but there is a um, there's a like two by bro- you he means me. Yeah, but there there are like two brothers, one of whom gets pushed into the political sphere, and the other one is is his like bully boy, the guy who mm-hmm. gets things done and isn't reputable. But this is a thing we see in a lot of uh, Bollywood movies. Yeah, yeah so, having seen a lot of Bollywood films, I always have a really strong reaction to the way that both um, politics and the police are represented because it can oftentimes be hmm. very corrupt. And, and very, the army, too. You get some of that. Yeah, and very jarring for yeah, a Canadian like myself who has trust in people in positions of authority. Mm-hmm. And what I've learned from Bollywood films is that that is not inherent. Gangsters what? and politica- polit- politicians, it's like just Pokemon. You, you level up into becoming a politician if you're a strong enough. Absolutely. Minister. That goes back into, like, in, in American politics, like the criminals who ran New York and yeah. Yeah. Tammany yeah. Hall. Tammany Hall. It's just so jarring machine. to yeah. me as or someone who has we, so we, much trust yeah. in authority. We've, yeah. been, we've been out of that sort of world for a while, but I think if you lived in Montreal, maybe, yeah. you would or probably. Los Angeles? Yeah, you would recognize a lot of these characters. Yeah. yeah. Um, so anyway, the, the the summary of the film is effectively a uh, a, a street lieutenant, um, the half cast uh, Othello character Ankara. Ankara. Yeah. Um, he ends up uh, apparently abducting the daughter of a um, who a I, local a, gangster, local gangster, but he's, a local lawyer or something. Yeah. He's, yeah. yeah. He's yeah. He's like a criminal. He's a criminal lawyer who's also a criminal. Yeah. Um, and, and he's like, no, like, you can't do that. And then they bring in the Duke, who is the guy who's running for office. And he's like, nope, this is all legit. Um, so it's star-crossed lovers. Um, at one point, uh, Amkara needs to promote uh, one of his two lieutenants, effectively. Yeah. Um, and he To promotes- the Bahubali position, which uh, we were only... It means strong man, right? Yeah, we were yeah. only really aware of this term in the film, Bahubali, at the beginning, and so it was kind of a surprise to see it in this movie. Yeah. Um, so he needs to promote one of those two for, for something that he did well. He promotes... He promotes... The Casio. The Casio character. The Keshav. Keshav. And... Uh, uh, and uh, Ishwar, Ishwar is the Iago. Who uh, he feels that he has been slighted, so he is going to take his revenge out on... Everyone. And yes. it, to be fair to Ishwar, he's a very capable warrior. Absolutely. Much more than Cassio. Yeah, I think I think uh, the, the the best thing about Iago, Othello, I'm going to lay it all out on the table right now. Othello is my favorite Shakespeare play, period. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think part of the reason that Iago is, again, my favorite Shakespeare villain... He's right. Is because he's right. Yeah. yeah. It would have been he awesome. absolutely yeah. is correct. He should have been promoted. Yeah. What he does... Is unconscionable. 
Yeah. But he should have been the one to get promoted. Yeah. And he's also incredibly smart and incredibly charismatic and incredibly clever. And he he's the puppet master. And that's, puppet masters are very interesting. That's why he's a great villain because you realize that and this guy is pretty good. He's like a Doctor Doom type where you're yeah, thinking, exactly. You know, Doctor Doom is very clever and he does actually do good things occasionally. Yeah. Maybe we should think about him when it comes up to who's defending the earth, etc. Yeah, right. he's he he absolutely should have been put in this position and if he was put in this position, everyone would have benefited. Everything would have been great. But because he wasn't, everything is going to go down in flames. Yeah. And Saifali Khan is quite a revelation in this role. I my jaw was on the floor. I was so shocked at how eloquent and nuanced his Iago is. He's got a fun sort of... He's not like a, a scheming type Iago in the no. shadows. He's more like your buddy who just kind mm-hmm. of drunkenly tells you, you know what would be cool? Maybe, maybe we could try this. And then that's how he gets, you know, into Cassio's head and, you know, makes him make bad decisions. Yeah. He's not... He's not a scheming weirdo that, you know, he does have a limp in the movie, but it's not like he's a caricature. He's like just your buddy who maybe you should listen to. And the film opens with a scene where he's really playing another character who's not important to the film whatsoever. But you see how he's playing him. And so I think from the get-go, you understand that this is an Othello adaptation that is interested so much more in the Iago character than it is in the Othello character. Which I think most Othello adaptations are because the Othello character... Not that interesting. No, I think, and uh, I think, I think Othello is an important character in the play that is named after him. <laughs> yeah. But Iago is is the person who has all the connections, right? Like Iago is connected to every single other character. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and and so he's the most interesting person to watch, and it's his story that we're really yeah. telling. Like yeah. Othello's story is not as interesting as Iago's story. Well, Othello has the classical tragedy of the great man being brought down, mm-hmm. but the real tragedy is Iago being passed over for promotion and deciding to ruin everything. Yeah. All that and being said, I think Ajay Devgan is phenomenal in this role. Take a drink. He's okay. No, I think he's... I think he's, he's fine. Really? Oh, Dylan actually took a drink. That's the drinking game whenever Aaron says phenomenal. Oh, she she literally pointed at me and said, take a drink, so that is what I did. Yeah. Um, Apparently, I say it a lot. I didn't really notice until earlier this year when it was pointed out to me. Um, No, I think Ajay Devgan is really great in this. I... I think, he, I think he is the per I think he's perfectly cast. I think it's a tough Ajay Devgan already is an actor in Bollywood who is slightly darker than most of the other mm-hmm. actors. That is not me saying he is dark, because again, like slightly yeah. darker than most of the other actors in Bollywood. Um not not as much as Nawazuddin. No, exactly. Um and so I think that's really smart casting. I think making him half cast also really takes interesting uh, spin on the, the uh, moor. Yeah. Exactly, right. it takes you know the things that are in Shakespeare's play and adapts it to a different culture mm-hmm. in a really interesting way. In a way that totally makes sense. In a way exactly. that fits the culture without like really yeah. radically changing the story. And I think it's also you still get kind of a juxtaposition between his skin color and Karina Kapoor's skin mm-hmm. color, who's very light. Um, I think he's really well cast, and I think you do start to see his motivation and the conflict that he feels, 
But this play always belongs to the Iago character. Mm-hmm. Like I, every I guess, time I've ever seen it realized, belongs to the I guess the thing the I'm missing characters. from this one that you get in most Othello adaptations is the feeling of Venice. I mean, this is obviously set in India, but I don't really get enough of... This might be cultural things that I don't catch up on, but I don't really see as much of a difference between Othello and everyone else. Mm. And maybe... And I think that absolutely is a, a cultural thing. I think... I think there's a twofold way. I think there's. I think he's different than everyone else in two ways. One, the cast system is so foreign to us yes. yeah. uh, that there's no way we could really just feel that. We'll never in entirely play. understand it. Yeah. Um, but and like, a lot of Bollywood, very clear. Right? Yeah, and a lot of Bollywood films really don't want to deal with those, the issues of the cast system. Mm-hmm. And I find like Bardois is not afraid of inviting controversy in his cinema and talking about issues in India, which is really fascinating. Um, And that's not something I would have known, but Mm. that's good to know. The other thing that I think makes him a very interesting Othello, uh, well, two things that I think make him a very interesting Othello. One, he looks brooding. Yeah. Like, his neutral face looks like there is some kind of internal struggle inside of him, which I think is something that Othello really needs and I think he kind of looks like he has that naturally even in that uh, ridiculous thing that you showed me he still looks that way even oh. though he's like sing him that was the scene from sing him returns where he's right. beating dudes and he still their car looks kind yeah. of like even though he looks like he also will like murder someone for vengeance yeah. he also does look kind of there's sad a little there's a little bit of uh, sensitivity to his smacking a man so yeah. hard that he flies through the air yeah actually Defcon is an actor I'm really fascinated about who I feel oftentimes really has a foot in kind of uh Artistic cinema, but also populist cinema. Seeing him and in Boots those, first is what fucked it for me. Because yeah, those things are always kind of at odds. He was so bad in that movie, as was everyone else, it, that it ruined it for me. But those things are always kind of at odds with one another yeah. when I see Ajay Devgan. And here, this kind of film is, I think, where he shines the best. He has a great cape. <laughs> he, oh, and the cape's so good. Like, yeah. there's, there's so many things I love about that film, and I'll get to the, the visuals and stuff of it in a second. But the other thing that I really like about Avjay Devgan? Avjay Devgan. Avjay Devgan. Is that he he really does something for me that I haven't seen in any other Othello adaptation that I've seen, mm-hmm. in that he plays confident until you put a shadow of doubt in him and then all of a sudden he is completely dependent yeah. on whoever is talking to him and telling him something. It's usually Iago. And he's usually Iago, but then like like whenever I've seen Othello, he he seems very inconstant. Yeah. Um and and I've never really got a really solid feel as to why that is. And I think this version is very clear. Like he doesn't trust himself. Yeah, he's been he's spent his entire life being told you are not as good as everybody else, and he's internalized that so much that he he'll play confident until there's a shadow of a doubt, and then all of a sudden, oh, maybe I'm wrong. What do you think I should do? Well, do he's think? he's so like, known for physicality. Like you're good at beating people up. That's what we use you for. When confronted with a problem that you can't immediately solve that way, he freezes entirely. Yeah. I think the psychology of Othello, though, is so relatable here in a way that I hadn't really seen before. Mm-hmm. Like, and how, yeah, we do put on these fronts when we're around people. And then, yeah, it's so 
easily crumbled. Yeah. For some for some people, they don't have that issue. And for some people, that is a, a crippling issue that exactly. prevents them from doing whatever Yeah, you do. don't have this, that issue. No, yet. I'm a terrible But as someone who does, I <laughs> could yeah. really resonate with this film. I think... That, I think I'm more of an Iago type. Yeah, you uh, probably he's, are. He's pulling the strings. Yeah. yeah absolutely. Yeah. Um, but That's it. I, like, crazy insight into mine and Matt's actual romantic relationship. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. I think th- I learning, think it is amazing. You're learning to think too that much. In this relationship, <laughs> this relationship is between Othello and Iago. That makes a lot of sense actually. <laughs> We've been shipping them for years. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I I want to get to some of the other actors, but I do yes. want to say uh, uh, the guy who plays Iago, whose name is Saifali Khan. You guys had seen him in other things before. Yeah. This is yeah. the first thing I've ever seen him in. And he's transcendently good. Yes, he yeah. is. Like, I was just like, every time he was on the screen, I'm like, oh my god. Like, And he and he shifts chameleon-like between yeah. super relatable, Well, the, the, the liquor to... aspect is interesting, too, because he's drinking a lot and getting into conversations that you can only do as a drunk person. And convincing Cassio, mm-hmm. convincing... The weird guy who wanted to marry Karina Kapoor and yeah. that didn't work out. Like he, the Rodrigo he, character, Rajan. Yeah, 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 he's yeah. able to get into these sorts of situations where it's it completely understandable why someone would be influenced by Iago. Yeah. yeah, and I think he keeps a lot of the scheming inside. Like that's the one thing a lot. Of, that's one of the things that you quote unquote lose in the adaptation is that there are no soliloquies. Yeah, or there are no very s- very few soliloquies in which the actor is telling the audience, this is what I'm doing and yeah. this is what I'm thinking. There's no spotlights on him like, hey, hey, my plan is finally coming to fruition. Yeah, and we should say this wasn't done in Shakespearean dialect. This nope. is done in Hindi and actually specifically with an input of Karboli dialect, which uses, and it uses many swear words. This got an A from the Indian censor board, which means it's restricted to adults. And so there was a lot of worry at the time that this film isn't playing to a larger audience, but it was still a critical and commercial success. Yeah, and I I think that when we get into Hater, we'll we'll be talking about a little bit more about how that, to me, feels more like a traditional Bollywood film. I feel Mm -hmm. the production values probably look a little bit bigger. There's mm-hmm. more traditional um, camera work and there's more traditional um, musical numbers. This feels kind of more like a, almost a costume drama at times. Well, it's... a period piece. Yeah. Hader is later in Bajwa's career, so he has more resources. Like, mm-hmm. by the time... So Hader was 2014. It right, was and this was... Last year. Yeah. And, or I guess two years ago now. We're in 2016. I keep forgetting that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um... And so he has, like, at this point, he has a production company. Uh, when he's making Okara, he doesn't. It is a kind of more shoestring production. That but being it, said, like, it has huge star power. Like, none of these people in this film are, are, are small names. And to see them kind of take on these roles, I think, is really illuminating. Because, to be perfectly honest, I didn't have a huge appreciation for either Saif Ali Khan or Karina Kapoor or Bisha Basu until I saw this Bips. film where I kind of saw things that they could do. Yeah. Konkana San Sharma and Ajay Devgan, I, I did already mm-hmm. kind of think that they were on a different level, but I didn't know Saif Ali Khan had this in him. Yeah. He's, he, out of all of, the, at both of the films, all of the actors in the films that we watched for this episode, he's yeah. my favorite. Mm-hmm. Far and away, he, he does... He does something I've never seen an Iago do, which is play everything. Yeah. He plays everything. 
Every other Iago I've seen, he either gets too dastardly or too smarmy or yeah. too... Like, there's always this, this, like, almost perfect but. And in this one, it's just like, I believe literally everything that's coming out of his mouth, even mm-hmm. when he doesn't believe it. There's that scene where he's just sitting in the background as as his plot is almost about to unravel. Yeah. And then he just quickly steps in and is like, oh, well, let's talk about something else. Yeah. And it... You missed this thing. It's so good. Yeah. I think you might be a little bit disappointed watching other Cypher Lee Con films. I I don't know if that's possible. Like, I think... You're starting off with, like, his best performance ever. And that could be, but, like, I think think it may have just been branded on my brain that he is the best, so now, even in a terrible movie, he's still the best. Like, he's so good. And we should say that this film won seven Film for Awards, including Best Supporting Actress and Best Actress Critics. For Konkana Sanjarma and Karina Kapoor, respectively, but also for Best Villain for Saifali Khan. Yeah. It also won the National Film Award. I love that award. that's a category. Like, <laughs> yeah. think, think about all Every the great time. Hollywood villains that haven't been really commented upon. Yeah. They get Best Supporting Actor nomination. Yeah. You know? yeah. But, like, even, I don't know. Uh, Glengarry Glenn Ross, mm. Alec Baldwin coming in, he was nominated for Best Supporting Actor, but, like, that should be its own separate little category mm-hmm. of best, you know, inspirational speech by douchebag. Yeah. And it also won the National Film Award for Best Supporting Actress for Kankana Sanjarma. So she... Oh, she's so good. She is really, I think, the different, the big difference in the way this play usually turns out in kind of your classic Shakespeare adaptation. And this adaptation is what they do with Kankana Sanjarma, her mm-hmm. Amelia character. She is given far more agency and far far more psychology than I think you ever get in your standard Othello adaptation. Yeah. And, and it, it's the big difference in the film. Like, both of these films deviate from the plot, from the play in some ways. And here, it really comes down to this Concondescent Charmer character. Yeah. The, the biggest the biggest departure is that she, uh, in, in Othello, she's uh, Desdemona's maidservant. Yes. Yeah. And in this, she's Othello's sister. Yeah. Uh, and or Ankara's sister. It, it links off, it links Ankara to the world in a way that has never been done before. Yeah, and it really links Othello or uh, Ankara to the Iago character in a way that it, he's not linked before, and almost gives because him they're more married. By, like, they're married. Yeah, because yeah. yeah, but like he's like you passed over your brother-in-law, who is also the most capable person. Yeah, like mm-hmm. th- that, that whole th- th- so many layers there. But I also really like that. Yeah, it not only does it change the relationship between all of the characters but it makes it have more sense um when she comes in to tell uh, omkara spoiler alert when she comes in to tell uh, omkara like no like that was something that i took it, it's a betrayal in multiple ways he betrayed uh, she betrayed uh, his his uh fiance his, himself his brother uh, it, it's this huge thing yeah. um, and that's the big change the big change is that she's related to Omkara and that she explains what happened before the Iago character shows up. Mm-hmm. But after, after Desmona has been killed. Yeah. And Kankana Sanjarm is excellent. Kankana Sanjarm is always excellent. And here, I think it's a supporting role, but it's still a really meaty one. Mm-hmm. And I like the fact that in adapting this play and in changing this story, that he gave a meaty role to a female character as opposed to a male. Yeah. Yeah. So on the whole... We like it. It's good. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, movie. and uh, I do want to say one thing about about how it's filmed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's not. I think Hyder is showier, mm-hmm. 
And I think it definitely is. It's it, and I think Omkara is more confident. Like I'm going to do mm-hmm. this really amazing shot, and it's kind of be a, a throwaway. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the 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 rocking bed after uh, Dolly has been smothered, yeah, or the um, one take shot of everyone moving around the house. The one take yeah. shot of them chasing each other through the house. Yeah, um, there are some excellent transitions in this film. I think Barge Watch in both films you see a strong directorial signature. Um, and yes, while I agree Hater is more showy, I think there's still some exciting flourishes of cinematography and editing in Omkara that yeah. I just, you know, again, like this, this is a great piece of world cinema that should play to a lot of audiences yeah. who are interested in world cinema. Yeah. And I, and I don't mean to say that, I don't mean to diminish Hater for saying it's showier and I don't mean to undercut uh, Omkara by saying it's their throwaways. Like I think it's I think it's impressive that it's mm-hmm. like, yeah, this is another amazing shot. Yeah. This film is full of those. Yeah. Let's continue to impress you by how effortless this all seems. Um and when you were talking about the cape earlier, like like it's those little touches in which like Omkara wears like a, a, a shroud and a cape and it really that's another way that it makes him different than everybody else. Yeah, he's um, set apart by his clothing in addition to being somewhat different case. In a, in a smaller uh, budget, clearly, a much smaller budget and a, and a very yeah. different feel of a film, it, it feels sumptuous and lush. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if it's because I, I watched it second and we're talking about it first, mm-hmm. but it just felt like a more accomplished movie in that way. Like mm. I have, I have, I do more with less. Mm, yeah. Yeah. I, I will say I was more impressed by the transitions and the camera movement in Amkara than mm. I was in Hater. So I think the last thing we want to say about Amkara is that we watched this on Eros now, mm-hmm. um, which is Eros, the popular Bollywood distributors streaming service. And there were a few kinks. Yeah. That was really annoying. Yeah, so first of all, I initially like tested this to make sure that it had subtitles, and it did. And then I tested to make sure that I could stream it from our iPad because there is no Apple TV built-in app for Eros now, but there are mobile apps. So I downloaded the mobile app in our iPad, and I... Airplay it airplayed it to our Apple TV and it worked fine. Then we went to go watch the film. We discovered that we couldn't figure out how to turn on the subtitles and airplay it at the same time. I had checked the subtitles on my laptop. So because Matt and I have bought a new iMac, uh, we were able to airplay it from our iMac to our television. Uh, this is all way too much of a workaround than I would prefer. Uh, for a streaming service that I'm paying $8 a month to, which yeah. is the same as Netflix, uh, which has just these built-in apps and works fine. Mm-hmm. So that was a bit frustrating. And also, at some point in the film, and we don't quite know if this is a problem yet with the upload of the film or with the streaming of the film, but it was jumping around in scenes and, like, Mixing them up and then really we would have important to, scenes. Really important, really scenes. important scenes. And then we would have to like mentally check what subtitles were for what scenes. And while we were able to do that, it was still a bit frustrating. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if that's a problem with the streaming that we were doing 
you know, with streaming it on a computer and airplaying it to the salvage, or if that's a problem in the upload. My sense is that it was a problem in the upload. No, it's, it's still going to be the same file. I don't think anything would really change. Yeah, I don't think so. Either. When, when yeah. airplaying it. Because we have the same problem with uh, Chak Day India on Netflix where the subtitles are not. They're a fraction cued. of a second off. Yeah, they're and not it's cued incredibly infuriating. Uh, that reminds me of the, one of the, the only time I've actually seen like Looney Tunes on film was when they were playing at the Garno and there was mm-hmm. one reel that the, the sound was a half second ahead. Oh, so annoying. Of, of everything else, which would have been fine, except it was a Roadrunner movie. So mm-hmm. you, you saw, you heard like the, the, the catapult go before. Yeah. And in that case, it was hilarious. In this, it was frustrating. Yeah. So I think we can't completely recommend Eros now as a way to watch your Bollywood films. Mm. However, there are some films that the only way you can access them legally in North America is Eros now. So I check your local library first, yeah. mm-hmm. which is always what we do is we check the library first. Well, we check iTunes first. Yeah. They're generally good subtitles, good quality, no problems there. Hater, thankfully is available on iTunes, and we had no problems watching this film. So, Matt, why don't you set a hater for us? Sure. So, a hater came out in 2014, and it is set during the 1995 Kashmir conflicts in India, which involved civilian disappearances by the government, mm-hmm. and uh, setting the film during this part of the history, 20 years later, uh, got some controversy. A lot of controversy. You can read more about this online. There were a lot of people who wanted to boycott this film because of the political environment in which it's set. Um, I think this real-life setting gives it a different layer than we saw in Omkara, which still had um, an Indianness that was different to our perspective. Mm. But this is very clearly set during a political and civilian... Sorry... Well, it's a way to replicate, uh, like, sort of the feudal landscape of lords being in charge and uh, serfs not having any power whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Like, medieval Europe was essentially under a military dictatorship, but they wouldn't have thought of that because they didn't know. Yeah. But this is still very much, like, controversial, a mm-hmm. controversial subject to return to even 20 years later. Yeah. And so I think that gives it a different layer. Well, it's... And it's... Only twenty years later, mm-hmm. right? Like, think about how think about how references to World War Two were in nineteen sixty five. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. those were still. Well, maybe it's we little, shouldn't do that. Even in the seventies, like when when Cleese would do them on Faulty Towers, they were still just like, "Whoa, that's yeah. really raw." Don't mention the war. Don't mention the war. Um, and and in this, it's just like, yeah, no, let's not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can imagine that being very difficult because it's within it's with almost within a generation. It's certainly within it's in within, living memory. living memory for sure. Yeah. And it's a conflict between Pakistan and India, which is always ripe with controversy. So the area of Kashmir, there are a lot of separatist movements in Kashmir, and that's what we're dealing with in this right. 1995 uh, conflict of. Individuals who would like to separate and individuals who would also like to stay with Indians. So these two kind of political camps coming to a head in the Indian state, but which is also really tied with India's larger controversial relationships with Pakistan. Yeah, Yeah. so Shahid Kapoor plays Haider, a.k.a. Hamlet. 
Shraddha Kapoor plays Arshina, a.k.a. Ophelia. No relation. No relation, yeah. A lot of Kapoors in uh, Bollywood. Uh, Tabu plays Ghazala, Gertrude. Narendra Jha plays Dr. Hilal Mir, Hamlet's father, who is missing by the time the movie basically starts. Yeah, there's an interesting kind of take on the Hamlet story here where at the beginning of the film, Hamlet's father, Hader's father, goes missing. And so for the first... He's been disappeared by the government. Exactly. So for at least the first half of the film, he might still be alive, Uh which is very different than Hamlet, where from the opening of the story, his father's dead. Mm-hmm. And it makes a, a very interesting... Uh, it makes the Gertrude-Claudius relationship a lot more um, almost underhanded. Even mm-hmm. though, like, they're from Gertrude's perspective, I don't think... Or the Gertrude character. Uh, I don't think there's a lot of romance happening there. No. From the from, It's just like, you're, you're romancing your brother's wife and you don't even know your brother is dead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So... That's uh, K.K. Menon as Karam, mm. a.k.a. Claudius. And uh, where um, Hamlet's father in the original play is the king of Denmark, Halamir uh, is a well-respected doctor who gets in trouble by treating a Kashmiri militant who wants to leave mm. the country. Uh-huh. So he gets disappeared. And then Claudius, Karam, goes on to represent uh, the region in the government. So... Mm-hmm. Uh, again, much like Omkara, you get the kind of link between government jobs as maybe being a career path for people who are not necessarily um, the most noble. Um, Orphan Khan plays Rudar, uh, Hamlet's ghost, in a really interesting moment where he's basically a guy that met uh, Hamlet's father in prison and has come back with a message for him. Rather than actually being a ghost, it's a really interesting spin on it. That was yeah. my favorite. That was my favorite change. Yeah. And that whole sequence when uh, Irfan is describing how shitty it was in the camps and all the different places they were taken to—that's straight out of Zero Dark Thirty. Like really dark places. Mm-hmm. This film had quite a few edits from the Indian censor board, mm. <laughs> um, some of which were related to torture, some of which were related to sex. Um, the relationship between Hamlet and Ophelia here is n- not suggested it's at right Um and, and and so, yeah, I, I don't think Matt's comparison to Zero Jack 30 goes without me. No, they're taking these guys and putting them down the memory hole and yeah. making the shit out of them, so it's yeah. pretty rough. So Lalit Perimon plays Pervez, who's the Polonius character. And he's basically like the chief of police in this town. He's, mm-hmm. he, I think he's in the army, but yeah. he basically mm-hmm. plays that role. Amir Bashir plays Likot, who is the Laertes character. Yeah. And then this is my favorite. Um, I, I love Laertes in this movie in that he really? is kind of like... just like I a, loves Laertes, no, 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 no. But like, at the beginning, he's like, oh, does stay with my sister, blah, blah, blah. But he leaves, and you get a brief glimpse of him being a regular guy at some sort of sales meeting. <laughs> it's just like... Laertes gets pulled away from this to go shoot people in cashmere. <laughs> but, like, he actually just has a job and is that a yeah, normal he's, guy. He's, okay. Yeah, he's I thought that was, people had to be, like, telephone yeah, salesmen. I thought that was really funny and a really interesting way of going about that. Yeah. Um, and then my favorite, so Smoot Kal and Rajat Bagat play Salman and Salman, who are the Rosenkatz and Gilderson characters. And this Salman and Salman is very much 
uh, comment on Salman Khan. And so Salman Khan films play a really interesting role in this film. These two guys run a video store. Yeah, and I find it a really interesting commentary that Bajra is making on Bollywood, which you certainly don't get in Amkara, this kind of like metatextual awareness of Bollywood as a populist cinema and the way in which it subdues the masses. There's that, and then there's also, again, Irfan Khan talking about being captured. One of the black sites that the Kashmiri militants are taken to is a movie theater. It's a movie theater. Yeah. Where they're they're showing a Salman Khan movie. Where they're showing a Salman Khan movie. Yeah. That's a fascinating layer um, that I think the more you know about Bollywood, the better it plays to you. Mm. Um, and luckily, we've shown you a Salman Khan film before, so yeah. you were aware of him. Oh, yeah. But it's, it's just, that is a very, very interesting filmic technique to have some people watching a movie, shooting the movie screen with their guns. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, oh, also, this is where we keep the militants that we want to disappear. Yeah. Yeah. Kashmir's a really interesting setting for this story. We don't see Kashmir in a lot of Bollywood films, and when we do... It's Jab Takhajan, where Shah Rukh Khan is in Kashmir diffusing bombs. Like, Heroically always... diffusing 100 mm-hmm. bombs while not wearing a bomb disposal suit. Like, it's... this is where you go for danger. Yeah, it's almost always shown as a place of conflict. And here in Hader, it it doesn't get away from that. But we also see the attachment that people from that area have to this place, which I think is really important. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I guess... In the original telling of Hamlet, uh, like Denmark is surrounded by enemy nations. There's Norway. Yeah. There's others, and one can assume that they would be under threat of being invaded every now and then. And that's what exactly what happens is Norway shows up at the end to clean up. But having Kashmir be uh, under military dictatorship next to Pakistan, where you can go and become a much more trained militant, you can become radicalized. It really makes the stakes of the movie that much higher right from the get-go. Yeah. So, Devin, yes. what did you think of this adaptation? It's much less of a straightforward adaptation. There's a, yeah. It plays a lot more fast and loose with characters and motivations and relationships, which I found interesting uh, from a, oh, that's what they decided to do with this kind of perspective. Like, the Polonius... Uh, the Polonius uh, character in this is not Polonius. He's a lot more Even active. a little bit. Yeah. No. He's vicious and brutal yeah. and... Uh, He's not a buffoon. Not even a little buffoonish. Yeah. Um, and I think it takes until the interval and then kind of the second half to really start to see the shades of Hamlet show up. Yeah. There's, I mean, there's definitely, like, it, it does make sense. Like, there's a young woman and, and her brother and, and their father, and, you know, he's like, well, you shouldn't be with this guy. Like, it, it, it's very much like the barest bones of Hamlet that you've draped all this other stuff on, which I think is really good. And I'm not mm-hmm. saying that that's a better way or a worse way to adapt something. Yeah. Uh, especially uh, if you know it's an adaptation. To be able to go, oh, that's what they're doing mm-hmm. in in Hyder, which they which I never really did in Omkara. Omkara was very straightforward, and I appreciated um, I appreciated the straightforwardness. It allowed me to really sink into the film. In this, I always I was because I knew what the story was. I was just maybe half an arm's length away from it. Going, it took a while. What are they going to, to do going. with this? What are they going to do with this? Yeah. Why is this different? Um, other differences that I that I 
did appreciate was the concept of uh, Hamlet's father's ghost as a completely different character. Yeah. Which works because this is not supernatural at all. Exactly. Yeah. You, you, how are you going to do that? Oh, you'll have him be the conscience of this guy as a as his as his uh, cellmate. Yeah. Um, I really enjoyed. Well, I'll go with what I didn't enjoy, and then I'll go with what I really enjoyed because I think Aaron will jump in on what I really enjoyed. Okay. I didn't really like how they basically neutered Ophelia. The Ophelia character. It just yeah. she seemed like she was simply there. To have a relationship with Hyder, and that's practically it. I think they could have done a lot more. Ophelia is one of my favorite characters in all of Hamlet. I find She's it. tricky, though. Yeah. She is tricky, but I find it really interesting how Hamlet deals with these women who are abandoned by mm-hmm. the patriarchy, right? And, and that never really happened. Like, I was looking yeah. forward to her going bonkers crazy, and that never happened. I also thought, because there wasn't a... Oh, no, I can't remember the character's name. Richard? Nope. His best friend. Oh, um, Horatio. Horatio. There was There's no, no Horatio. Horatio. Yeah. And I thought, oh, maybe they'll combine Ophelia and Horatio into this character. Yeah. Kind which of did a little bit at the beginning. At, at the beginning, she did a little bit, and then both of them kind of disappeared. And yeah. you're just like... So that I found really disappointing. The she is kind of, of his only friend. Yeah, the lack of Horatio is really interesting, because I think so many of the important uh, scenes in this... Play and soliloquies involve ratio, mm-hmm. and to the extent that, like the, like the cover of this film, uh, the, the movie poster, the cover of the film poster for this involves Hater Shahid Kapoor looking at a skull, and everyone knows that line, you know, like the, I knew him, Horatio. Horatio. He's talking to Horatio, and Horatio is not there. Yeah, he, Horatio in the, doesn't in the, exist in, in the film. Horatio. I think he's talking to the grave diggers. Isn't yeah, he? yeah. It's, it, those guys have a much huger role than which, they did in the movie, which is also really, movie. really great. I yeah. really like that. But I, I felt like that was a weakness of of it. Is that yeah? If you're gonna if you're going to be Hamlet, I kind of feel you need a sounding board for Hamlet yeah. because without a sounding board, Hamlet is legitimately out of his mind. Yeah. Um. And so if you don't have a Horatio and you don't really have an Ophelia, there's not much for him to do. I guess Gertrude eventually becomes a sounding board towards the end of the movie, but they did a great job on Gertrude. And that's the thing that I loved. The she's usually a pretty wooden character. Like, oh no, I'm dating my I'm sleeping with my uh, you know, my son's uncle. Yeah. There's a lot more going on. Excellent as the Gertrude character. And she has layers that I don't think I've ever seen mm-hmm. in a Gertrude performance. And I won't even get into the ending because I don't want to spoil anything. But holy fuck, Gertrude at the ending of this film. There's that. And then there's also an earlier scene when Hamlet has debated killing himself earlier on. And she puts a gun to her head and said, you think this is fun? We're not playing around here. And, and it, Yeah. Like, and then there's is, also, this this scene, with young there's also the scene when Shahid Kapoor initially... Uh, returns home and he sees her laughing and that has so much more layers than I think oh, with yeah. what you get with Gertrude in Hamlet. Like, Tabu plays the fuck out of this role. She's... Sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. Uh, um, it's, yeah. Yeah, I think... I think it kind of... Both of those things tie into why she's such a more interesting character. Because, uh, Aaron, when you were saying uh, he walks in on... Uh, the Claudius character wooing her by yeah. playing music and trying to cheer her up. Yeah. And Hamlet, 
I'm just going to use the characters that I know because yeah. I don't have notes in front of me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, in in the play, Hamlet's vitriol towards Gertrude of just like you're betraying my father doesn't resonate as much with a a twentieth slash twenty first century person. I don't think it's like you need mm-hmm. to be loyal and there aren't those kin ties. Right. Like, this is not. This is well, no but that when, big of a deal. When he sees her laugh, he doesn't see what. I, as an audience member, saw exactly. that she was legitimately depressed, and that was a moment like where yeah. where the sun broke through the clouds, and she's like, huh, "I'm enjoying myself for a moment." Yes, and it's all in her face how sad she is, and how that that little stupid song just breaks through. He just sees her enjoying herself when his father is missing. This also, yeah, the missing thing is the big deal because in regular Hamlet, he's dead. And everyone knows this. She holds on hope that he's still alive almost as long as Hamlet. Yeah, she really does. But she's also honest that they had been in a loveless marriage. Which I also find a really interesting layer to this. Mm -hmm. Like, she doesn't try to say to her son that there weren't problems in their Mm -hmm. marriage. She is very honest about it. And so I think, like, this adaptation of Hamlet, more than any uh, adaptation of Hamlet brings empathy forward for Gertrude for me. And I think Taboo just, like, plays the fuck out of it. I agree. And uh, when when I saw him get upset at her, I'm like, that seems like a very ridiculous reaction to what I just saw. Yes. And then later on in the film, you get the flashback of him going, I'm going off to war. I'm going to go. Yeah, I'm going to go to Pakistan and become a military. And then she pulls the gun on herself and then yeah. their entire relationship solidifies and crystallizes for me. Yes. She is an emo- like as good a, as interesting a character as she is and I'm sure as much as a loving mother as she is, she is the most emotionally manipulative character I've seen in yeah. a film in years. Yes. So he can't trust anything that she does or says because she's literally doing things to get what she wants. Yeah. So he can't believe her when she's actually being genuine because he doesn't know when she's being genuine. No, they've been on a knife's edge for years. You, for you years. Get that and and that really yeah. brings an interesting dynamic to the relationship, whereas in, in most of the uh, Shakespeare versions of Hamlet that I've seen, it's, it's, it's very black and white. It's, you're doing something wrong, Gertrude, and I am mad yeah. at you. Whereas this is so much more subtle and so much more layered. I think that that is probably that and the, um, in terms of pure adaptation, that and the Gravediggers are probably my two favorite yeah. adaptation mm-hmm. parts. We should talk about them. The, there's three Gravediggers when the event, when he goes to see, he's looking for his father's corpse, but he finds the clown's corpse to deal first. The Yorick character. Yeah. But as much as Yorick is a these character. These three uh, gravediggers sing a fun song about being dead. There's a kid gravedigger learning the trade. And then you find out that they're also Kelsey's uh, <laughs> too. And them and Hamlet, you know, band together for a badass last stand. Gunfight? Like, yeah. That's crazy. Grenades, everything. I think this kind of sociopolitical setting is really smart, but I also think it paints this adaptation into a corner Mm. in that it has a hard time, it has an easy time setting it up, and then a hard time figuring out what to do with it. Mm -hmm. And by the end of the film, I agree with what I think Devin agrees with in that it has a difficult-to-process ending. It has an ending that is Mm -hmm. not what you expect from Hamlet and which... 
seems discordant with I mean, the film that's come before it. Let's not worry about spoilers. Generally, yeah, yeah. Hamlet dies. He does not die this time. Right. But yeah. Hamlet walks away. He is essentially that's crazy. dead. He is essentially dead. He is no longer tied to okay, anything around you him. You read it as is essentially dead. I read it as him walking away and moving on. Yeah. yeah. He, I, I he is a husk of a man. There's nothing left of him. I don't know about that. I think... Because, I mean, he was in school before he returns to Crash. No, he's going he's gonna to have a suicide vest within a week. There's no, nothing left No, I don't buy that at I all. I don't buy that either. I think he walks away with a renewed sense of kind of purpose. And I think I agree with Erin, and I, and I agree with her because Gertrude does something super straightforward. Yeah. Let's not say what that is, right? <laughs> I'm not going to say what yeah. that is, but he finally sees his mother, A, do the right thing Agreeing for with the right reasons yeah. in his eyes, whether or not it is the right thing. I personally think it's the right thing. But she does the right thing for the right reasons because yeah. it's the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. And there's no artifice and it's literally like, I am I feel that she wipes the slate clean for him. Yeah. That he can go on and do literally whatever he wants. I think I think you could read it as he'll have a suicide vest on in a, in a week. I think... I don't think read he's, it that way. He's going to get recruited by Ursan Khan right away. What has he got left? I don't. I don't see that. I think. I think he walked away from everything. I yeah. think he goes. I think he does the the equivalent of a, a witness protection program. Like he creates a new life. He's not is himself. He's leering he himself no, out in the wilderness. Maybe or he has no. He has yeah. no ties to anybody. He can do whatever he wants. He has had his history and all of this terrible, incestuous uh, yeah. falling back on itself completely wiped away. And while I think that's an interesting take. I think for the character of both Hamlet and the character of Hyder, I don't find it satisfying. Hmm. He doesn't. He doesn't really pay for anything. He, I found him a little bit cheeseball when he's playing crazy. I, I really liked his playing crazy. I uh, thought that that was my favorite par, part of his performance. It, it is interesting that he's able to play on the public sensation about you know the idea of cashmere, and he's able to talk about the government and things and. For once in a Hamlet, you kind of see why people would like him and agree with him. Mm-hmm. Generally, he's a disaffected noble who maybe talks to a gravedigger now and then. But in this one, it kind of does seem like he has a way of the people. In a way know. that even his father doesn't. I don't know. But he's he, is, setting, he is still pretty cheeseball. Matt, he's sitting poetry. Yeah, I don't think. I don't think that. Uh, again, I hate to gang up on you, but I don't think that he. I don't think he's having a connection with the people. I think he's a car crash that people are looking at. No, that speech he gives when he's talking about the government and uh, how they've been fucking them forever. Like, yeah, he does a great job of tapping uh, into that. Tapping yeah. into public resentment against uh, Claudius. Yeah. In a way that no other Hamlet has ever needed to do. No, no. I I really did enjoy... I think that's my favorite scene of his in the film. He really plays the... What I always like about a Hamlet is when, is when they're almost over the top crazy to the point where they're almost winking at the audience, right? Well, he is literally walking around with a big mask on like, hey, look, everybody... And he's, and he's wearing a noose around his neck, yeah. right? Like... But when you're doing it on on, uh, on film or uh, straightforward Hamlet, or if you're doing it on stage, Hamlet is sometimes just like the only way he can wink is by soliloquy, and yeah. there is no soliloquy in this either, right? Yeah. So I thought that that was a really skillful performance where he was able to be funny and mm-hmm. be over the top crazy to the point where he's letting the audience know 
or he's letting the audience in on the joke, but he's not letting anyone in the film in on the this joke. This is what happens when you, you don't have a Horatio around, though, because there's, exactly. no there's no one who knows what Hamlet's like normally. Yeah. He's been gone for so long that no. no one could even tell that he's being crazy. Yeah, and not even Salman and Salman, who I also thought, well, maybe they're supposed to be both Rosencrantz and Guildenstern and Horatio. They're very clearly not. Yeah. Not even Salman and Salman, who are supposed to be his friends and yet aren't really. He doesn't open up to them either. Also... Complete uh, tangent. I want to see Salman and Salman are dead, and I want that to happen because those two guys were great. They were fun. They are great. And I, again, I really like that it's this metatextual idea about Bollywood within those two characters. I think that's really smart. Bollywood masculinity. Yeah, mm. exactly. Yeah. yeah. Their hair, like, their hair is so very clearly like, we need to look like this guy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, mm. that's really well done. So, overall, Devin. Which film do you prefer? Uh, Which film did you find the most satisfying? I found uh, I found Omkara the most satisfying because as much as I enjoyed the metatextual analysis of Hyder and like, oh, that's what they did with this. Oh, that's what they did with this. And, I, mm-hmm. and again, the Gertrude stuff, I thought that was all really interesting. I wasn't as satisfied at the end of, of Hater as I was with Omkara, mm-hmm. which is weird for me because normally a straightforward adaptation I find boring. Like, why would you adapt this if you're not going to do anything interesting with it um, or interesting with the story? But I think that the story is strong enough on its own that everything they do with it, character choice-wise and acting-wise and, and visually and cinematically, was incredibly satisfying. Whereas I I think the last ten minutes of Hater huh. kind of left a bad taste in my mouth. Mm. I literally said when it was over, Hamlet doesn't walk away. Like, that doesn't happen. Yeah. Yeah. Matt? I really, really appreciate the performance of Iago in Ankara. Savali Khan does an amazing job. He's the best part of that movie. Mm. I don't know if every other scene that he's not in is that great. I think Ajay Devgan is a blank slate Othello, and he's very, very subtle, but that doesn't always add up to entertaining movie watching. Mm. And uh, Karina Kapoor as as Dolly. Yeah. Honestly, I was I was underwhelmed by her. That's every well, Karina, Karina Kapoor. Kapoor is not, yeah. Yeah. Okay. okay. That's kind of her thing. Okay. Uh, but like, Hater as a whole, I think I enjoyed more because I like the screwing around with the story and, like you said, not doing a straight adaptation and it being so tied to a very specific period mm-hmm. in history. I found that very very interesting. Um, I like like. Hater's a nine, Umkara's an eight. Like, they're very, very close. If you're a Shakespeare fan, definitely seek out both of these oh, movies. Yeah. I, I like them a lot, and different takes on these stories that we all know, very, very engaging and entertaining. What about you? Uh, yeah, so I think I'm going to give the ten to Sanjay Lila Bansali's Ram Lila. Oh, you're cheating. <laughs> no, I am cheating. But I only bring this up to point out, uh, Devin, you hate Romeo and Juliet, which is my so favorite Shakespeare much. play. Yeah. Well, you should watch this one. Uh, <laughs> my favorite adaptation of Romeo and Juliet is probably Sandra Lila Bansali's Ram Lila. But that aside, I think I, I do give the edge to Omkara, um, but I really love Taboo's... Mm-hmm. interpretation of Gertrude and I also really love what Irfan Khan is doing with Hamlet's Ghost so I feel like uh, I, I saw Hater um, about a year ago like way before we were discussing mm. doing this episode and so I didn't have the experience of watching them both back to back and so I already kind of had Hater in my head and Umkara was more of a revelation but I think both of these are really interesting and I really would like to see Mac Bull. Oh yeah, yeah I definitely want to check that out because Irfan one of my favorite actors and Macbeth 
one of my favorite Shakespeare plays. Yeah. I think both... That and Titus Andronicus. So (laughs) I don't know if we're going to see Bollywood Titus Andronicus anytime soon. But... uh, I think both of these are well worth seeking out. Um, And yeah, good gateway directs into more Bollywood cinema because you already recognize these stories. If you're you're familiar with them. Like there's some people who won't have been. Exactly, yeah. But if you recognize these stories and you're familiar with them, this is a great way to get into things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and to highlight the general Shakespearean feel that we get from a lot of Bollywood movies. But that's usually in the comedy sense. Yeah, it is. The, The great tragedy in sense is generally not in a lot of Bollywood movies, but the... People dressing up as other people, mm-hmm. always ending in a marriage, that kind of thing. From the comedies, we get in a lot of Bollywood. I would be very interested in seeing a comedy adaptation. Yes. Like a straightforward, or a, a Bollywood version of Midsummer Night's Dream, or Twelfth Night, or uh, Much Ado About Nothing. I think those would be very interesting. Yeah, I'm sure too. there must be something. Yeah, we'll have to do some research. I mean, again, off the top of my head. Do a follow-up episode with some comedies later on. So, Devin... How can we keep up with you? Uh, I don't know. How can you keep up with me? You can follow me on Twitter at uh, Dr. Underscore Teeth. Uh, I occasionally do podcasts. I write a mostly weekly blog at Variant Edition Comics website. Um, I sing in an acapella group called Apocalypse Cow. Yeah. Uh, so if you go on YouTube and Google Apocalypse Cow with a K, you can see me singing on there. I think that's all I do, right? All right. Matt. How can people keep up with the show? Well, you can follow both Aaron and myself on Twitter. I'm at Matt underscore B-O-W-E-S. I'm at Erin E. Fraser, E-R-N-E-F-R-A-S-E-R. You can follow the show itself at Bollywood Pod. You can also like us on Facebook, and I encourage you all to leave us a review on iTunes and check out our Tumblr, where yeah. we will post uh, the show notes for this episode filled with tons of links. What do we got for the people next week? Next episode next two weeks from now next episode we will be back uh with a more kind of a we've done a couple of like serious filmmakers pretty heavy violent films yeah uh so next episode we're gonna go very populist and it'll be kind of right before valentine's day so we're going to look at three romantic comedies starring alia bat who is i think one of our current favorite actresses she's great so we're gonna look at uh humpty sharmaki dahania two states and shandar um, so all romantic comedy is with Ali Abad. And weddings. Yes, weddings. Lots of weddings. So many weddings. Yeah. Three weddings. More yes. than three weddings. Oh, sweet. Devin, thank you so much for coming on the show mm-hmm. this episode. We appreciated having you and your perspective. Thank you so much for having me. I was uh, very excited to be on the show. Good. Good, good, good. And Matt and I will be back in two weeks. Thank yeah. you so much for listening. See you later, lovers. 